Mike is turned on. There we go. Can we all stand up together? Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is the core of our faith here at Celebration Church. Let's all say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to all of those that are joining us here in Green Bay, our campuses, those online. Good to have you with us here today. My name is Bob, uh, one of the pastors here at Celebration Church. Great to be with you here today. Pastor Mark is our lead pastor and he is uh, teaching today at a church out in California, preaching there. So he's the guy that normally preaches week in, week out. So I have the privilege to share with you this morning and I appreciate that opportunity uh, we've had a great year here at Celebration Church, and one of the big highlights of the year comes right in the middle of the summer, <clears throat> and it's our camps for our kids and youth. It's called Spencer Lake, and we've got a bunch of kids and a bunch of youth that go off to Spencer Lake, and they spend a week at camp. Uh, this past few weeks ago and the, the week prior, two different camps, we had 84 kids and 115 youth from Celebration Church go to camp. So it's pretty cool stuff. <clears throat> uh, it's in the Wapak area. They have a lot of fun. And they stay up super late. They make some great memories. And most importantly, these kids have opportunities to have some God moments in their life. And uh, as I grew up, I grew up in the church. And it was moments like this at camp or when you set aside some special time like that, where God really kind of has a neat opportunity to move in your life. And I know that happened for a lot of your kids, a lot of your teenagers. So it's been a good summer and it's one of our big highlights. During that week, a lot of kids will give their life to the Lord. So it's a pretty, pretty neat deal. Um, my older two, they've gone for a couple years, Dylan and Adderley. And so last week, my family, we were on vacation. My wife's sister, she had her third baby, little baby Leo, so we're happy to bring him into the family. And so we went on vacation. They live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So on Friday, when camp was done, we loaded up my other two kids. We got in my car, packed it to the gills. We've got a rooftop carrier, so we had that going on too. Everything's just packed into the car, and we drove to Wapaka to pick up the older two kids. So we got there, picked them up, and so I got to experience camp food. We ate lunch with them. They were really, really good burgers, by the way. They weren't. Uh, but, but they'll feed your kids, and picked up the kids, and so, so we got them, and they're tired because they haven't slept and they've had a ton of fun and Dylan lost his voice from yelling and screaming. And by the way, our youth and our kids took first place in the competition that week, so that's awesome. We're, we're, we're like Packer people around here, so we win. We're winners. So uh, we picked them up and we all loaded in the car. So six of us in a car 
And we've got one of those third rows, you know, that aren't very big. And my son, Dylan, he's 11, but he's going to be taller than me in like a few weeks. And he can't fit back there. And so we're all packed into this car. And there's a rule when you grow up. I'm one of four kids. I'm the second. How many of you know when you grow up with siblings, it's part of your duty as a sibling to fight with the other kids, right? Just part of the deal of growing up. And uh, so my kids were fighting, and Dylan, I think, got a new nickname on our trip. It's his na- new name is now called, it's not Dylan, it's Dylan Stop is his new name. Because he was being told to stop over and over again. I think Charlie gave him that nickname. And so that was kind of our experience. We're driving down, and it's, it's, a, it's like a 13-hour drive down to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we headed down there. And on a trip like that, you've got plenty of opportunity to start teaching your kids about forgiveness. So when I had the opportunity to share this morning, I thought I would share a little message about forgiveness. You know, and it's one thing when it's siblings picking on each other, and I used to pick on a man. I've got an older brother, and he was kind of like the watchdog of the family, and I was the instigator. I was a little younger than him. Now, I used to pick on the other two, and man, I remember one time picking on my little brother, and I used to do this thing. I don't know if you've ever done something similar. I used to get on top of my little brother, Bill. I'd pin down his legs and arms, and then I would give him a little itch on the face and say, does that itch, are you dying to itch your face? And it was like torture, and he was dying to itch his face, and I wouldn't let him have his hands. And he'd yell, and he'd scream, and then my older brother would come over and pop me one, and I'd get up and leave him alone. I had to forgive my siblings. And it's one thing when you're torturing your siblings. It's another thing when someone's really done you wrong. So this morning, I want to share a message about how to forgive when it seems impossible to forgive. And I know there's some people here at Celebration Church, maybe you're at one of our campuses joining us online. Maybe there's something that's happened in your life, and it seems like it is impossible to forgive. Today, I want to share a message about how you can walk through that in your life. Jesus shares a story about forgiveness And uh, one of the disciples comes and asks him, how many times do I have to forgive? Maybe he was going through something that was harder. Uh, I remember my first year being a pastor here at at Celebration Church. I had a guy, a younger guy, come up to me and shared with me. He said, hey, my, my dad is dying. He's in the hospice. And would you mind coming and praying for him? And I said, yeah, absolutely. I can go pray for your dad. And he went on to share, he said, it's going to be a little strange. See, I, I, I don't really talk to my dad. And we haven't talked in years. And I've got a bunch of brothers and sisters, and none of us talk to him. In fact, all of my siblings, they've all changed their names. This, this dad had sexually abused the entire family their entire life, repeatedly as they were children. Been married a few different times. Was a terrible man. And the whole family wouldn't even talk to him. Nobody was going to say bye to him as he was dying except for the one child. So he was wondering if I could go and pray for him, and I went there and prayed for him. He wasn't all that conscious, but we walked through this moment of just saying, God, would you mess with this guy's life? Would you help this man here be able to forgive his dad for the terrible things that he did to the family? Would you help the other siblings and those that have been affected by this tragedy, would you help them in their life? Maybe you've been through something terrible like that where it seems like it is impossible to forgive. And yet that's what we're called to do, to walk in forgiveness. Jesus, he was approached by Peter in Matthew 18. 
says this, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Man, this must have been terrible. He's got to forgive this guy seven different times. Do I need to do it that many times, he asked Jesus. Jesus ups the ante. Jesus answered, he said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Like, you're going to have to do this over and over again, and you're going to have to keep on forgiving. So Jesus tells a story to illustrate the importance of forgiveness in our lives. And he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, that's a whole lot of money, even in today's standards, how many would like 10,000 bags of gold? I would take an ounce if I could get it, right? It's a lot of money. And he owes all of this money to the master. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me. He begged it, and I'll pay back everything. Well, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. This is no small thing in this culture. In this, in this culture, you know, these aren't like bill collectors calling you on the phone, and some of you are terrified by them, and it is terrifying. But these aren't bill collectors. This is a different culture where if you owed a debt like this, you are put into slavery to that master, and it might be for the rest of your life. It might be your kids. It might be your grandkids. And this would be the rest of of your life, and he forgives this debt. It's a big thing that Jesus is communicating to the disciples. So when he's got 10,000 bags of gold, it's a huge, huge debt, and the master forgives it with amazing grace, incredible mercy, and just amazing patience that he has with him. So it reads on, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 silver coins. A small, tiny amount in comparison to the debt he owed the master. But when he owed him that, it says he grabbed him and began to choke him. And he said, pay back all you owe me, he demanded. Be patient. And, and so his fellow servant fell to his knees just like he did, begged him. And he said, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, Jesus says, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. This is a strong message Jesus communicates about forgiveness, that if we want our Father in heaven to forgive us, that we've got to live lives that are marked by forgiveness. Living in forgiveness is a bad place to be. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It says this in Mark, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, 
forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. So how do you forgive when it seems impossible? Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been lied to. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone you thought you could trust. Maybe you had a spouse betray you and you just can't seem to let it go. Maybe you've had a business deal go bad and you can't seem to trust anybody anymore in your life. Maybe you've had a parent neglect you, abandon you, abuse you. Or maybe it's just you can't seem to forgive something you've done in your own life and you're walking in unforgiveness even to yourself. You know, I think of what the situation that just happened in Charlottesville and here you have these people that are so messed up backwards and racist, and how, how do you forgive if you're the victim of something like that? How do you forgive when it seems like it's impossible to forgive? Jesus, in Luke chapter 23, it's the story of the crucifixion, and he goes through something that would be impossible for, I think, any of us to walk through forgiveness, and yet, that's what he does. Jesus, in Luke chapter 23, the story is basically they bring him and they put him on trial, and they're accusing him of things, and he's completely innocent. Both of the people that were in charge of judging Jesus judged him as innocent. He's not guilty. He's innocent, and yet they beat him. They mocked him. They spit on his face. They beat him to the point he was unrecognizable, and then they crucified him on a cross. And mocked him more and spat upon him more. And he died the most painful, excruciating death. The worst execution of that day that was reserved for the worst of the worst they gave to Jesus. And there Jesus is hanging on the cross, an innocent man being beaten and mocked. And in that moment, watch what Jesus does as he hangs on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. He prays that they would be forgiven. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. How do we forgive like Jesus? Two simple thoughts I want to share with you this morning about how we can walk through forgiveness when it seems like something that is impossible for us to do. Number one is what Jesus did. Pray for those that hurt you. Jesus, when he was being mistreated, hurt, crucified, in the most brutal way, prayed for those that were hurting him. And he cried out to God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Here's some more words from Jesus. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 says this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those that curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 34. If you ha you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard it said, you know, like if you like your friend's post on Facebook, go ahead and click like. But if you're in a fight with your friend, go ahead and tear him up on Facebook. You know, that's what we're being taught in our culture today. I think if Jesus was saying it today, he might say something about the way we act on social media or the different things we do. We were taught, and we're in a culture that teaches, hate your enemies. But Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is a totally countercultural way of living. 
and Jesus is turning the table, and he's calling us into this life of forgiveness. They lived in a culture that taught eye for an eye. You poke my eye out, I'm coming after you and poking your eye out. You knock my tooth out, I'm coming in and I'm knocking out a few of your teeth. You give me the middle finger while I'm driving down the road, and what do you do? Middle finger, right? Anyone guilty of that? Can I see a show of hands? I can tell you did it because you're laughing. But we're called to not respond that way. We're called to respond in love. We're called to pray for those that hurt us. Uh, in the Old Testament, here's a prayer that you might feel like praying. Psalm 3 and 7 says this, Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. How many would like to pray that prayer over your enemies sometimes, right? That's how they thought, and it's kind of how we think. If somebody thinks differently than me, if somebody hurts me, man, I want to break their teeth. I want to break a jaw or two. And yet Jesus changes the whole deal and says, no, you love them. Love your enemy and pray for that person that's hurting you. So why did Jesus teach this? I think he prayed, love them, pray for them, bless them, do good for them. I think Jesus taught this not just for the other person, not just for that man that did terrible things to his kids. Jesus taught this because prayer will also change you. Prayer will change your life. Prayer always will change you. It may not change the other person, but prayer will change you. And we're all going to face battles in our lives where we've been hurt, where we need to forgive, where we've been offended. And one of the biggest things that will hold you back in your life is unforgiveness. One of the biggest things that will hold back the presence of God in your life is unforgiveness. One of the biggest things that will hold back the fruit of the Holy Spirit bearing in your life is unforgiveness. And I know that that's what we want here today is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is the stuff of love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering. All of these different attributes, I know it's the things that we would all love to have more of in our life, but unforgiveness will keep all of those things from growing in your life. So it's important that we learn how to forgive. Prayer may not change the other person, but it always will change you. See, prayer is moving into this place that is well beyond feelings because your feelings may never want to forgive that person that did you wrong. But prayer is moving beyond feelings and it's moving to the heart of the matter and God will change your heart. Moving beyond feelings and God will begin to change you so that you're not poisoned with anger and poisoned with resentment and hatred and bitterness, but rather you're totally set free. So how do you do this? You've got to make a determination that you're going to start blessing those that do you wrong, that you're going to pray for those that hurt you, that you're going to do good to those that have done you wrong in your life, to those that have hurt you. Bless and do good to those that have wronged you, and you will be changed. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he's got a couple quotes. He said this. He said, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant attitude. 
Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? How many times do I got to forgive? Maybe like seven times. That's got to be really good, right, Jesus? Jesus says, no, it's over and over again. Forgiveness is not an occasional act. It's a constant <clears throat> attitude. He also said this, he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power to love. If you want more love in your life, you've got to be able to live life with forgiveness. And we as Christ followers, when we do this, the world will take notice. We want the world to find God. And when we live lives that are marked by forgiveness, the world will take notice and they'll be drawn unto the Father. Instead of us living eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you hurt me, I hurt you back, and we start responding with blessing and love and prayer, the world will take notice. So as we do good, it won't always change the other person, but it'll change you and it'll begin to change your world. So number one, pray for those that hurt you. Number two, forgive as you have been forgiven. Colossians chapter three says this. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And let's all say this next sentence together. Can we all say this? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Say it one more time. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you want to live a life that's marked by forgiveness, you've got to understand that you've got to forgive just as God forgave you. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that I'm forgiven. I've done terrible things in my life, terrible and I continue to mess up sometimes. I struggle with all kinds of different things in my life. And I got to tell you, I am so thankful that I'm forgiven. So glad that I'm forgiven. Some of you have done way worse things than me. I know some of you, and I know your stories. Some bad dudes sitting around here. Some of you have done some terrible things. But you know what? One day, when we come to the end and we stand before the Father, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, it's not going to be because of how good you are. It's because of how good God is. And he's faithful to forgive you. See, our debt is like the debt that the servant owed the master. It's not just a little bit of silver dangling in a little bag. No, it's like 10,000 bags of gold. We owe that to God. And God is faithful and he's patient, and he's just, and he's merciful. And if you come to him, he is faithful to forgive you of your sin. And because of how good he is, we've got the opportunity to do good to the world around us. We forgive because God forgave us. Not because of how good we are, not because of how good that other person is, but because our father's good and because he forgave us, we can forgive others. As we close here this morning, maybe you're here today and you're carrying the weight of sin in your life. The weight of sin is heavy. And if you've not been forgiven and you're going through life and you've never surrendered your life to God and you've never asked God to take away your sin, in just a moment, we're going to be taking communion together at all of our campuses, and it's an opportunity for you to ask God to forgive you of your sin. There's a verse in John chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, God so loved the world that he gave, that God gave his son, <coughs> that Jesus came into this world, and God loves you so much 
that Jesus came and whoever would believe in Jesus would receive a new life, that their sins would be forgiven, that their life would be transformed. Maybe you've walked into Celebration Church this morning and you're carrying the weight of all that sin, the way you can forgive other people and yourself and have your own sins forgiven is by surrendering your life to God here today. Maybe you're here today and you resonate with pain. Maybe you're walking through something and you can't seem to forgive somebody in your life. This morning, I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to pray that you would be able to walk through forgiveness in your life. As that man was laying on his bed, he did die the next day. But in that moment, the guy I was with, he was with his father, and he said to him, I forgive you. And we prayed with him, and we prayed that he would Surrender his life to God in that moment. Prayer may not change the other person, but it'll change you. If you live life that way, your life will be transformed. Pray for those that hurt you and forgive as God has forgiven you. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you right now. <coughs> Lord, and I know that forgiveness doesn't always change the past. God, but forgiveness will always change us. So God, I pray that we would be people that are marked by forgiveness. Lord, I pray that we would respond in the way that you've called us to respond, that we would bless and do good and pray for those that hurt us. God, and that we would forgive others as you've forgiven us. God, you forgive and you're gracious and you're patient and you're kind, and I pray that we would be the same way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Pastor Bob.